Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career, and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. My guest today is Michal Oshman. Mahal is Head of Company Culture, Diversity and Inclusion at TikTok Europe and was formerly responsible for the international leadership and team development at Facebook. Throughout her career, Mahal has trained and coached hundreds of tech leaders, as well as having three university degrees in psychodynamic and systematic thinking, sociology and anthropology. Born in Israel, Mahal served in the Israeli Defence Forces and now lives in London with her husband and four children. In May this year, Mahal released her first book, What Would You Do If You Weren't Afraid?, where she encourages the reader to step outside their comfort zone and discover who they are and have the potential to be. I can't wait to delve into Mahal's moments and decisions that shaped her life. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Mahal. Wow, thank you, Jenny. I can't wait to get to know you. So I've been looking forward to our conversation. It's great. Thank you so much. So you've been involved and worked in two of the biggest social media platforms um, that are probably out there at the moment. Can you explain a bit more what your previous role at Facebook was and how that led to what you do now at TikTok? Yeah, sure. So I'm, um, I've been around from like a workplace perspective in the last 25 years. And as you said, I think one of my first jobs was an officer in the military. And I very early on uh, found out that I, I love people and I'm very curious about people. Um, and hence that kind of, uh, I could ask, academic background that I have, but I've always worked with people yeah. in HR teams. Um, 
And then about 17 years ago, I moved I moved to to London, um, which I will tell you more about uh, later. But specifically on Facebook, my role was at Facebook was mainly to um, help uh, leaders find their their skills, their passions, their strengths, um, as well as managers, as well as anyone in the company, and help them really develop themselves based on what their strengths are and um, and, and help them grow their muscle as, as leaders and managers. Um, I was also very much, um, you know, loving the culture. Yeah. And uh, uh, I saw myself as someone that helps um, uh, hopefully um, grow the culture and, and help people fall in love with the, you know, with, with, with the company and what it could do for them. So uh, that's what I did for Facebook for almost seven years. And Amazing. Uh, it was an incredible journey of growth. And by, by the way, not just professional growth, but also personal growth. Of course, yeah. For, for me, Facebook was the first workplace that I really felt at home, that I started sharing things about myself, uh, if it's about my mental health um challenges or 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 other elements within myself I was I, I became there a proud mother I I um I I was celebrating uh, different parts of me that I haven't really um explored that much or celebrated in other workplaces and then after feeling that I've really kind of gave the company all and a lot of what I had to offer um TikTok uh opportunity yeah. came along and you know TikTok is very very different it's a it's a, Are you a TikToker. Up. Well, now I am. If anyone wants to look at Michal Oshman on TikTok, like every time my daughter sees me, I have two girls and two boys, but my oldest is a girl and she's she's about 15. And every time she sees me on TikTok, she's like, she's dying. Like, <laughs> like my husband's cringing. But you know, it's so much fun. Yeah. And I never felt as creative as I have been feeling in the last uh, few months since, since joining TikTok. So I'm, I'm, I'm fairly new there. And, and as you said, I, I'm head of culture uh, for, for Europe and diversity and inclusion. And that means that I have a huge opportunity, but also responsibility to help shape our culture and help create TikTok as a workplace, as a, as a workplace that in, invites people to be themselves, to, to feel that they belong, that there's a space for everyone, as, as, as in the same way that our, that our platform aims to do. So um, it's really fun to join TikTok also just after my 45th birthday. Amazing. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge new ride and um, I'm thrilled, at, but also feeling very responsible to do it well. Yeah, it's incredible. And I mean, we were saying this before, but you have to be a specific type of person to kind of work in HR and in culture. And I mean, what does, so I work for WeWork and, you know, there's a lot of importance at the moment around diversity, inclusion. And I think companies are now really, you know, making someone responsible for that within them. What, what do what's personally important to you in terms of inclusion and diversity? Everything. Yeah. Uh, I know that doesn't answer your question. I think from uh, from a diversity point of view, we partner deeply with our talent acquisition teams, and you know we make sure that we um, that we create a, a workplace that welcomes uh, um, equality and 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 again diversity of of of, of talent. I think from an inclusion point of view, that's where I am always fascinated about creating a workplace that has a culture of care. Yeah. And one of the things that I write about in the book is the role of everyone in a company, but, you know, mainly kind of coming from, from initially leadership and, and founders to establish a culture of care. 
And we forget that care is something that comes so natural to human beings. Totally. Like we are wired to care for each other. Mm-hmm. We are wired to want to understand, you know, who are you, Jenny? I'm, I'm now, obviously people are listening now, but I'm now, I have the privilege of seeing you on Zoom and I can look into your eyes and I want to know like, who are you? Like what matters to you? You know, what makes you, what, what, what are you passionate about? What are you mm-hmm. here to do? And also what can I do for you? And I think today, because of the world that we live in and workplaces and careers, and we're all the same person, we're not changing personas between I'm at home, I'm at work. I'm actually at work now when, I, when I'm at home, right? Yeah. Because of COVID. So how can we develop uh, cultures? And this is not just about workplaces, family cultures, mm-hmm. community cultures that are about showing care to each other, about showing empathy and really having genuine curiosity. So one of the things that I think I am, thank God, blessed with is that is that curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. You know, what needs to follow curiosity are structures and systems and policies. And I think that's why we're seeing so much, you know, appetite and commitment for this, because it's not enough to have, you know, good intent. You mm-hmm. actually need to take action and, and make this be- this world a better place. And um, that's why I wake up in the morning with a lot of energy. Incredible. And it's so important. Um, and as you say, like you're wired to do that. And I think what's even br- more brilliant is, you know, you you spent your years at Facebook doing what you do, and then you're like, I'm ready now to do that somewhere else. And it must be incredible to start a journey and kind of like give all that you've got to give and make an improvement. I mean, how, I mean, doing all of that and then releasing a book as well. Um, how does it feel releasing your first book and what actually like made you take the plunge to write it in the first place? Wow, that's, those are meaty, meaty questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I refer to the book as my fifth baby um, because it does feel like giving life to part of me and kind of bringing it to the world. And of course it's not a baby, but the emotional experiences mm-hmm. haven't been very different to those. So I wrote this book because I had to. I am not, I don't call myself, or maybe now I do, an author because I am a published author and my publisher doesn't like when I say that I'm not an author. Yeah, it's hard. But I wasn't born. You know how, you know, these these amazing people that are keen readers and they they want to become authors from, you know, very early on. I never thought of myself, myself, I never thought of myself as as an author. Um, but what did happen is that I, um, I, ha- I realized I had a story to tell. Yeah. And once I knew I had a story to tell and this story must be shared, I knew that it will involve opening up, being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because Jenny, I'm always in my job. I'm always making space for my okay. client, yeah. my partner. So, you know, like you, this, like, like what you're doing for me today, and thank you so much for welcoming me to speak, I normally do that for my coaches. I'm the listener. So I knew that by opening up and sharing experiences from my childhood and from my marriage, and as I mentioned, my my mental, my struggling with mental health, I knew that the spotlight would be on me. But because I know that so many people are suffering from similar things, and because I made a discovery, I just had this obligation of of writing the book. And listen, it was scary, even the writing. The book, you know, the book is called What Would You Do If You Weren't Afraid? But even writing the book, <laughs> yeah. English is not my mother tongue. Yeah. I'm, I'm a native kind of Hebrew speaker. I was born in Israel in Tel Aviv most of my life. I lived in, in Israel and I still think in Hebrew and feel in Hebrew. And suddenly I'm like writing a book in English. Like I didn't translate the book. It was um, 
it was it was uh, it was written in, in in English. So I mean, it's an incredible achievement to have written a book, and I think that you know, as you say, it's it's so it's such a privilege for me to be able to speak to you at the beginning of your journey of writing and and saying your story and you know you have probably opened up a can of worms but it's as you say you just felt like you needed to do it and now was the right time then kind of talking more about your opinion on kind of like fate and sliding doors and everything happens for a reason is this a big driver in your life specifically so you know you I think I think when you say you know fate and 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 sliding doors and I and I say faith in something that is bigger you know th- than me so you know I want to keep things very real um I am I'm a Jewish woman I'm a I'm a believer I, um, I, through this transition of learning about the Jewish wisdom, which is, by the way, universal and has nothing to do or doesn't have to do with religious or non-religious, anyone can decide to practice um, the, the spiritual side of, of the Jewish wisdom. Mm-hmm. But I also realized that for years, a big part of my anxiety was because I didn't believe in you know, you know, fate or, or sliding. Yeah. And I actually put everything on myself. Mm-hmm. So I had a huge amount of responsibility to always get things right. It was all in your control. Because it was all about, of course, we don't have control. How can yeah. we think about ourselves as little humans, you know, controlling what? I mean, if I can cr- control my feelings, I feel like I'm winning. Yeah. So, yeah, so I developed a faith in something that is much bigger and much wider uh, than, than myself. And you know what? It makes me feel stronger. Yeah. And is it kind of like you, you have faith in things or work out how they're meant to? I believe that I'm here to do something purposeful, similar mm-hmm. to what we spoke about before. You know, you are now finding your purpose with, with the podcast. You're connecting to people in a meaningful way. You're helping people learn about themselves and others. I think that I believe that each of us are here um, to do something meaningful and it's the journey about discovering who you are. Mm-hmm. And so many of us live life, think we can control or change that person. Of like, I think if we could all just accept that we are just so awesome the way we are and just stay mm-hmm. true to our purpose, hopefully a lot of anxiety can be kind of shielded off. Uh- you're so right you're so right like I think if we could all just get rid of that side and have faith it would be a different world but um no it's great to hear your perception and I'm really interested to chat to you about your slang doors moments um and let's dive right into the first one so um when you joined the army in Israel you wanted to be part of the intelligent forces and hang out with the pilots which I'm sure we'd (laughs) we would all love to do um but it was decided that you would be a commanding officer and it was there that you met your best friend so for people that don't know can you explain a bit about what happens growing up in Israel in the terms of the army? Of course. So in Israel, it's mandatory to serve in the military for a um, minimum amount of time. For back then, I think women was maybe two years. And for men, I think it was three. And so I kind of, you knew you were going to do it. It wasn't yeah. it's like, there's no gap here or, um, or anything that you can kind of, you know, this is, this is the deal. Um, so I knew I had to go to this mandatory service and I had lots of tests before I joined the military and I was identified to join this like elite unit when we uh, dress a different color of uniform. And as I said, it's hanging out with the pilots and a very interesting kind of intelligence uh, work. So I was like, yeah, I'll just <laughs> training. I'll get the tents and all the other stuff, you know, done. 
and then I'll move to the proper like dorms and this and that. Yeah. But what happened is that, you know, basic training wasn't easy at all. I did it in the winter. And even though Israel is normally nice climate, it was like raining nonstop. And the girls there were working, you know, really hard. And there was a moment when we had to clean the, the tents and the, and the, and the, and the toilet uh, cubicles and all of that. And anyway, I really took the, went the extra mile and put my hand deep in the toilet <laughs> to get everything ready for the inspection and just happened to be that the most senior officer in the base saw me pulling it out. And then she said, you are going to become one of us. And I did not know what that meant. Wow. So anyway, the day after I was called into the uh, kind of whatever it was officers, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, office. And they were like, yeah, we know you think you're going to serve um, in the Air Force, but actually you're staying here and you're going to become one of us and you're going to start training women. I was like, no, A, fuck <laughs> with all those girls. Like I wanted to meet some guy. Yeah. Uh, and also it was a tough training. Like it yeah. wasn't, like I don't want, I didn't even think about myself as a commander. But you know what? I, I did cry a bit, but I knew no one was asking me. But so many beautiful things happened from that moment onwards for the next three years. I met my bed. I met, I met my sisters. Right. I saw yeah. a group of women. We we were sleeping in the same room for about I don't know, a few years and, you know, not going home, you know, every other weekend. And just they we got to know each other. So, I mean, I have goosebumps now you know, they, 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 they're, they're my everything and I'm their yeah. everything. And so sometimes, you know, you, I realized then, and I was very young, I was 18 and a huge disappointment, but listen, I, I, I met my best, best friends. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, now I'm, I'm thinking about this, you know, the, the service, it was all about friendships really. Totally. Um, so that was a very good door that was like slammed in my face, but opened another oh door. Oh my gosh, I just love that so much. I mean, I didn't even know about the toilet part of this. So <laughs> what do you think, what do you think it was specifically? Do you think it was kind of your determination to just make something right that that woman saw in you to be like, you're going to be one of us? Like, what do you think it was in that moment that made her say that? So first of all, you know, I, I, I failed many times in, in life and I write about it very freely, freely in the book. So I don't want to become this like person that gets things, you know, always right. But I think in the basic training in the army, what happened is that everyone is in the same kind of melting pot of like extreme situation in a way, because you're away from home. It's cold. You don't have your own food. You don't have your mm -hmm. own anything. You're like from being protected at home, you're suddenly in the hands of the army. Yeah. And you know, for, for it's and, it, and it's tough. And I think what what that situation, I guess, opened in me in a positive way is actually because my whole life I've been thinking about, you know, those moments of challenge and when things going to be. I almost like prepped myself for it. Yeah. So I was a little bit more resilient, uh, I guess, than the, than some of the other girls. And I did raise my hand more to on you know to do tasks and I I deeply cared I like really mm -hmm. really really cared about about everyone and uh I guess they wanted people to that felt this way to to be kind of I guess chosen to be officers but I can also tell you that I made lots of mistakes after becoming officer because I had more power yeah and more, and more uh and more influence and for a short while I actually became a not best version of myself mm -hmm. uh, a bit more kind of on the authority side and you know I course corrected but um I know that power can corrupt and I've learned a huge lesson of how to stay humble uh, how amazing because you know it's such a it's such a it's a it's a universal life lesson that you know 
you can want to get into a certain school or you can want to do this. And at the time, it's like the worst thing in the world, especially when you're younger, even 18. Um, But it's amazing to hear other people's stories because as you said, you would never have met the kind of friends that you've met that are friends for life. And even that, even as you said, going through the journey of, you know, finding out the, the kind of worst and best version of yourself. But how would you say specifically, like, you know, those friendships have impacted your life? So, you know, when someone knows you almost better than what you know, than how you know yourself. Yeah. So actually, these four girlfriends of mine, when I was in a very low place with my, I actually didn't realize I was suffering such extreme anxiety. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone about this. No one, no one. It was only the army towards the end of the army when my level of anxiety was so high. It was one evening when I opened up in front of my girlfriends. I will never, I, I'm feeling emotional now. I will never forget the the look in their eyes and they're like, Michal, this is, this is not normal. Like this is okay. I thought it was normal. I Mm -hmm. thought it was normal because of the things that I had seen in my home and being exposed to death from such a young age. I thought it was normal to think that every day was your last day. I thought it was normal that every time you close the phone and you say goodbye to a friend, you could, you should assume that it's your next call. And that created such heaviness and, sadness inside me but they were like no we wake up in the morning and we're like come on bring it on life yeah um but then I started going to therapy when they really put this mirror in front of me so for me they're my best girls because they they are the ones that would put a mirror in front of me and by the way also when I'm when I'm now as a mom sometimes too hard on myself and I I'll ping them and I said listen I just forgot one child you know in a school like (laughs) and like Michal, and you did another amazing five things. Yes. You know, learn from the mistake and focus on the good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if we really like drill it down, you know, if you'd never have been cleaning that toilet and they'd seen you, you know, you could have stayed and you could have, you know, you maybe met some nice looking pilots, but you would never have met that group of people that have been so instrumental in your life. And I think that's what I love delving into in the podcast is because as you say, you never really take time to reflect on those kind of really specific things that happen. Um, So it's really amazing. And, you know, even just to be in the Israeli army, you know, as you say, it's second nature to you, but you know, it's a big, thing and it shapes you for the rest of your life oh, I, yeah oh my god and shaped me physically oh my gosh I was so <laughs> fit if there's one thing I really <laughs> my six pack I was like I was like super strong physically amazing and, uh, yeah but I was like 18 and it was yeah amazing. amazing hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Um, and then 
you spoke about this before, but you actually, so let's move on to your second moment. So you moved to the UK um, after a time you'd had a brilliant job in Israel um, and you were actually told by somebody that you had no chance of succeeding here and you needed to forget about your aspirations. Um, This is like a whole big one for me. So can you explain? So I'd love to also know like how the move to UK, why did you move to UK? But also how and when did this moment happen and who is this person? Yeah, uh, this person, yeah, completely sliding your experience. So I moved to London about 17 years ago. And when I moved here, I was, I guess, 29 and already like very clear about my identity, at least professionally. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I already, um, uh, you know, after studying in university and I was in a consultant in this like really cool place and I, I felt comfortable in my skin as a professional and not, not in other ways, but at least as a professional. And, um, and I met my then boyfriend, now husband. And then we decided after being uh, dating for a few years that we'd like to have an, an experience outside of, 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 outside of our homeland, Israel, because Israel is, is, is Israel. It's, you, you grow up with people, you know, mostly like you and, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's dynamic is, is quite, internally focused in many mm-hmm. ways and I wanted to learn about different cultures and different languages and and my husband wanted to study abroad so anyway we we decided to move to London and you know it's scary right because yeah we left my well I left my job my family and as you know I'm an anxious person or at least I used to be very anxious and I literally we literally got married a week before we arrived to London wow everything was a bit like sensitive but I was like yeah I'm gonna nail it um and then, uh, and then my husband was very much sorted out. He did. He he came here to do uh, like an education, um, couple of years. So I was like the one that knew I was going to. I was the one that needed to work and to provide because his mm-hmm. studies was completely full full time. So I started looking for a job, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to continue the journey that I had in Israel. I'm going to be an organizational consultant just the way that I was before. And then someone introduced me to this person, Tony. And I met Tony for coffee and I assumed that he was just going to help me think. And Tony was this person that worked in Israel as well as London. So they Mm -hmm. introduced me to him in in a way to kind of, you know, for him to give me advice or maybe some contacts, as you would expect, a nice person to help someone when they... Yeah, you need to make contacts and talking to people. Yeah, Right? Like, you know, I'm an immigrant. I'm moving here. Um, And I struggled with the language. Anyway, so I meet with Tony and I was like this like you know, 29 year old, know what she wants to do, sitting in front of him. And he said, Michal, I just want to keep things very clear and very honest. The best that you can do in this country, because you're not from here, because you don't, um, you know, you never, you didn't study here or never worked here. When he said here, he meant in London, you may be able to get an admin role. First of all, who are you to under, like, who are you to talk about an admin role in this way? Um, Or maybe, maybe you can be uh, helping a university professor with, um, uh, towards end of, you know, exams phase, or I don't even want but he said, but all of those things that you wanted to do, I suggest that you forget about it and just really focus on, on being married and, and, and grow a family. So I sat there and it just happened to be that in a coffee shop or maybe not happened to be, he took yeah. the higher chair yeah. and I was sitting on the lower chair. And that was like one of the most horrible moments in my, I could say career, but also life in the sense of like, not horrible of God forbid something huge happened. No, but I how it made you feel. I believed him. Yeah, I thought, listen, this is like, he was like 30 years older than me. He was like this big shot in consulting. 
And I, I, I was so sensitive moving to a new place. Uh, I found uh, English initially a little bit like hard to kind of, you know, adjust to for, for daily communication. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, this big shot is telling me that I, I have to big up, you know, uh, give, I, uh, give up my profession and came back home. I was very upset. Mm-hmm. And, and my husband looked at me and he's like, like, what? <laughs> this guy was supposed to help you. Like, why are you so broken? And he said, uh, I told him why. And he said, Tony's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, Michal, Tony is wrong. Maybe he said Tony is F wrong. And, <laughs> probably. Uh, probably in Hebrew. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe Tony's not wrong. But you know what? Tony. And every time I have a little win in life, because yeah. Tony was wrong, Jenny. Tony yes, he definitely was. Very, very, very wrong. But every time when I lose confidence or when I win, and a win, it means that I know what I'm winning. Like I, yeah. I won against myself, right? It's not winning. Mm-hmm. I was like, Tony was wrong. And since then, both my husband and I are so committed to people who are moving to the UK. People are coming here wanting to start a life, but also had people that have had a life before. Yeah. And, you know, even from the small things about like, you know, finding my gyno, like finding a doctor, finding a, a helping complete forms, but also telling people you're going to make it here. I mean, yeah. I'll coach you. We'll do mock interviews. Um, but also what Tony gave me is a lot of ambition. Totally. I was about to say, actually, like, do you, cause this is such a, like, it's like a flip reversing sliding doors moment. Cause like, do you ultimately think that, you know, his negative words spurred you on to do the total opposite? Potentially, potentially. Because we're not I giving too much credit, are we? We don't yeah, want to. We're not giving Tony anything. I mean, yeah, we're giving him credit for just being able to tell his story, but did Tony kind of motivate me? I was always motivated to fulfill life. But I think it kind of shows me, showed me like the reverse of like what I want to be or anyone that I hang out with to be. Yeah. But it did inject within me a huge amount of commitment for people that move countries or people that make a big change in their lives, um, hopefully to be there for them a little bit more. Yeah. And this is a great moment because also like if you really think about it, if you hadn't have met him that day for a coffee, who knows if you would have been able to have helped all the people that you've helped because you would never have had that negativity. And also, I mean, do you think there would ever have been a moment where you would have let his opinion like really take over? And do you ever think like, what happens if I'd just, you know, lost my aspirations and just, you know, done what I needed to do? And I had a, I had a, I had a low few months, if I'm very honest, after I met him, I tried to get a job and I couldn't. And there was, there were a couple of months when I was by myself. It felt like I was by myself in London. And listen, Jenny, this is not just my story. I know of lots of families, couples that make change in life. And one of the couple uh, are feeling very good and they found themselves and the one, and the other one is, is, is not in that place. And they feel very lonely. I always say, don't think that people are in, in a relationship or parents that don't, don't assume they don't feel lonely. You can feel totally. so lonely surrounded by people around you. It's not about, 100%. it's not about the people around you. It's about like, are you finding yourself and are people seeing in you who you are? There were a couple of months after this Tony moment when I felt very lonely in London and I, I kind of started like, you know, I was very bored. I didn't have a job. I may have opened a bottle of wine 11 a.m. Uh, it wasn't my best uh, yeah. time. But you, even that helped me just go a little bit down to go all the way know, up. 
all the way out. Totally. And I'd, I'd love to know, because I know that you mentioned, um, and I kind of love this as well, because it's kind of everything I was reading. You mentioned that um, there was a, a poster up in Facebook that's the title of your book. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking, like, how did you actually get your job at Facebook? Because ultimately, if you'd not have got that job, you know, maybe you wouldn't have written the book and you wouldn't have had yeah. that mantra. Of course, but it starts way before that. So after Tony, I went, I said, I'm going to, I just want a job. I want to be with people. I want to do something. So, so one of the spas gave me an opportunity to start working at reception there and, and, and folding towels for, 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 um, for their guests and swiping cards. Like, but also like, I didn't know, I didn't know the difference between swipe and swap. So I hold had those like <laughs> moments when someone would give me their, card and I would give them like a towel like also because English like yeah so yeah confusing language or at least it was for me um but anyway listen I worked myself I had to build everything from like so I started the spa and then they uh they thought I was good enough so they let me um you know do another job in, in like after reception and then I was like managing a small team and 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 That's I probably worked for a, a good number of jobs uh before joining Facebook. And also I had three kids until I joined. Incredible. Yeah. You know, I, 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 um, you know, every, everything was a little bit of a change and a a low confidence, higher confidence. Um, but when I did land that job at Facebook, and as I say in the book on my first day, when I arrived at reception at Facebook and I saw that sign on the wall, what would you do if you weren't afraid it was a moment for me. I was 38 yeah. years old and I, every day I feared, every day I thought I was going to do something wrong with my kids or wrong. I always thought like something wrong is going to happen. And this, this concept, this thought about that there is a possibility of living life with less fear, with mm-hmm. less anxiety. I'm not saying without exactly. No, maybe. that's not realistic. But just, just that was so incredible. And just near that sign that said, what would you do if you weren't afraid was another sign and it said, fail harder. And I just realized that all this obsession about a perfect mom and a perfect wife and a perfect, like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to carry on this way. And, and this moment was, you know, seven years ago. And since then I made many meaningful discoveries, which I share in the book. And, um, and I'm seeing, you know, the doors have, yeah. you know, moved around and um, I feel blessed with being able to share it now. Incredible moment. It's so brilliant. And again, it's when you really delve into all those little stepping stones that actually got you to where you were. And as you say, I mean, I felt shivers thinking about you walking in and seeing that poster. Um, so going on to your last moment. So um, we've all had... Uh, heartbreak and this is definitely one of them so when your boyfriend left you you were heartbroken and thought you would never love again which we've all been there but then you met your husband so we always love a good relationship moment on the podcast Um, and as I said sometimes heartbreak can be the best slang doors moment so do you want to kind of explain the relationship but then like how how and when that kind of meant that you met your husband of course one of my most one of my favorite sayings in the Jewish wisdom is that there's nothing more complete than a broken heart Mm-hmm. But as you said, who wants their heart like broken? Who? No one wants a broken heart. And for many years, I I had like boyfriends, but I didn't have like the boyfriend that I thought yeah. would be kind of the one. And when I met this guy that I write about in the book, I was about 23. And he was like this super cool, massive kind of, you know, bike, uh, 
kind of carefree party Tel Aviv kind of yeah and and I wasn't that confident in in my skin so Jifan isn't you know the fact that he showed that he kind of let, fell in love with me was I know I sound now like not confident but I'll I'll admit I wasn't you know I wasn't confident in the beginning yeah. of the, but then we really opened up and I shared with him my anxieties and my my everything and I really thought that he was the one. And on the day that I actually thought, it's kind of sad uh, and funny at the same time, now reflecting back almost, I don't know, 20 something years after. Um, but there was this day when I he, I felt his body language was kind of signaling that he's going to say something, he's going to share something. And I, I literally believed, I, I I was sure that he was going to propose. Really? Uh, yeah, I was absolutely sure he was going to propose. And in that moment, when I thought he was going to propose, I looked into his eyes and I saw like his his eyes kind of tearing up. And I very quickly realized that that's not the tears I'm after. Yeah. And and he said to me one of the most hurtful, soul, heart tearing things that anyone ever said in my life. He said, you know, Michal, I, I, uh, we've been dating for a while. I love you. But I thought to myself... Who would I want to take with me to a deserted island? Who is that person that I just can't think about, you know, not being with? And it's not you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. I mean, I have to say I've had a very similar moment where, you know, you you really do think it, it's it. And then you're it, it's it, it hits you massively because you then start to be like, do I trust my own judgment? You know, as you say, you were kind of in such a different place. But, yeah, that must have been horrible. Uh- uh, you know, I, I, I want to keep perspective. I know that human beings go through horrible, horrible things, but we can't underestimate the pain of heartache. Oh, totally not. You know, so he broke my heart. He, that moment. And it's not, I remember saying to my mom, I was, I was so sad. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I couldn't do anything. I lost weight. I, and I said to my mom, I was like, I don't want to love again. Mm-hmm. The only thing I want is not to feel this pain this heartache of the, yeah. the broken heart in my body. I don't care about loving again. I, d- I don't think I will. And I'm telling you generally for a couple of years, I just never thought I would date again. Mm-hmm. But life is much, much stronger than we, you know, we think it is. And, and you know, and if it wasn't for him completely smashing my heart and taking a few years to recover, I would have never, ever met my then boyfriend, now husband in that restaurant because I wouldn't be working in that restaurant. Yeah. I wouldn't be available when he walked in, you know? So thank you for yeah. breaking your heart. So hold on. So did your husband just not, not generally walk in as a normal customer? As a normal customer, walked in with a girl. Um. Um, and I was, I, did, I couldn't understand if they were dating or not. Something in his and her body language sent me the message that they weren't dating. So I was like the shift manager. I was just standing in front of the restaurant and just like watching them eat the whole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't sound creepy, but like, no, I love it. Like he, he, he could feel my eyes. on yeah. his Um, and then, you know, again, sliding doors, he, he, he never, he, well, I don't know if to believe him or not, but he says that he never used to give his number to, to, to girls, but he, he left the restaurant and he was like, Hey, my name is uh, whatever. And this is my number. If you're interested, I was like, amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, I love this so much because it's, oh, you really think about it. It's like, imagine if you've been ill that day. Imagine if you were on a different shift. Wait, wait. Oh my Go gosh, Tony, I can't believe it. It wasn't supposed to be my shift. No. No, so wait, sorry. This is goosebumps times a hundred. It wasn't my shift. You have, you have like, you have this, uh, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this later. It wasn't <laughs> supposed to be my shift. My best buddy who was a waiter with me, he was ill. He called me and he said, please, Michal, I beg you, I'm not feeling well. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just finished eight hours in university. No, no way I'm doing your shift. Oh and so he God. said, you know what, Michal, I, I spoke with a restaurant owner. You just need to do two hours just to do the, the high, the peak hours. It was those two hours. No. No makeup. I was coming from like university, like, ugh, not attractive at all. Um, it was in those two hours that he entered. That's, that's truly sliding doors. It's truly sliding. And also it really shows you that you just do not know when these moments are going to present themselves. And it's often when we're not looking for them, but oh my God, that's unbelievable. I'm so glad that I said that so that we got that out of you, but it's, you make a really good point as well though, with like the whole heartbreak. Cause I do think, you know, when we're younger and we go through heartbreak, it's the worst pain ever, but later on in life, you can really realize actually that relationship came into my life for a reason. And as you said, like you, you probably were more protective of your heart. You knew your heart more. And do, do you really kind of feel that that relationship, although it was not the reason why you met your husband, but it kind of prepared you for that meeting? I think it prepared me. But if I'm also honest, I it did scar me. To It did scar me that that, mm-hmm. that experience of, and I I. I, I used to give out, like myself more freely. I, I don't know, maybe I'm not using the right words in English, but like I, I became a bit more protective. Now, yeah. less so, because um, I, I sometimes ask my husband, what happens if you also leave me? And he was like, listen, you're making it really hard with four kids. I will probably stick around. <laughs> but, but as you said, Jenny, like heartbreak happens. Unfortunately, one heartbreak is not a protection from further heartbreaks. And also- totally. You know, our heartbreaks, not just from a romantic relationship, but with someone, a good friend, kind of betraying our trust or, or you know, a heartbreak that we do sometimes to ourselves when we do really stupid things and we mm-hmm. regret. But I do, I do agree with you that heartbreak is, is, is a vehicle for growth. It doesn't take away from the fact that it really hurts. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, I just can't stop thinking about if you'd not gone into work that day, your children won't be alive and you won't be here. Honestly, that was amazing. Um, So reflecting back on all the moments we've spoken about, which one kind of really stands out to you of being like, if that really hadn't have happened, I just would be nowhere near where I am today. To keep it from a very selfish, I guess, not selfish, but very, you know, my family is, is everything. So I do think if I didn't take that shift from that fellow uh, uh, waiter, I would live a very different life. And I'm really glad I'm living my life now. Yeah. Well, how amazing, Michal. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat to you. Honestly, I could speak to you for so much longer and we definitely will carry on the conversation. But thank you for sharing your moments. And um, I'm really excited to read your book. And yeah, people should definitely go out and read it because it has some amazing wisdom in, but also it's so great that you decided to share your life with everyone. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Jenny. Oh my gosh, I feel such, I'm such a high now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Michal. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much.
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.